My name is Tamir Berkman, aka Divorce Cowboy. Each episode of this podcast is an interview with a man who not only survived, but thrived after separation. I hope these stories inspire you to get going, not give up, and find your truth. Hi, Tamir Berkman here. Very pleased and happy to have another man on the show. Hi, Paul. Hi, Tamir. Good to have you. Good to chat. Yeah, so we just uh, started connecting a little bit and having a bit of a check-in and a bit of a chat about what's happening uh, in the world at the moment and how we feel about it and getting back to ourselves. So it's a good kind of like a, a segue, I guess, to start our conversation regarding separation. And uh, maybe you can share a little bit around your separation and how you felt through that. Okay. Well, I was married for six years and had, had a couple of kids with this woman and uh, blended a family together. And then it sort of uh, started falling apart with a lot of busyness. Me as a man supporting the family, the children, uh, by doing my work and earning money and accumulating more jobs. I had five jobs at one point to support everyone, a big house looking out to the bay up in Menzies Creek in the Dandler Ranges and, um, and a wife and someone who I, I loved. And the stress in that relationship caused us both to be uh, fragmented from each other and from ourselves. And for myself, I became fragmented from myself and lost myself in um, uh, in the provision of what I felt my family needed. And um, eventually it just was fighting and eventually it ended. It ended badly. It was quite a um, dramatic end. And we were both violent with each other physically. And I think um, myself, I didn't realise how bad things were getting and, and how much I was losing myself in relationship. So the separation from that meant that um, I lived in my little pop-up caravan in the driveway for three months. I was really glad it was the family caravan, but it turned into my little home while the rest of my family, you know, which are uh, five children and my wife could be inside and they could come and visit me. And it gave, I realized at the time I was giving her space and I was allowing myself to stay living on the property rather than having to um, run off and find another accommodation because we could no longer communicate without arguing and very raised, um, you know, raised voices and irritation and, and you know, um, but I, I did that and I stayed in that caravan and then eventually she moved out and then I had the house and we eventually had to sell it. Uh, about a year later so yeah the, the separation the basic survival needs were, were, were quite strong of okay shelter which is a place to live um food water 
Yeah, all the basic stuff. Um, and warmth. It took me about a month to get a heater into my caravan. It was the middle of winter, but I didn't care. I had a place to live and it was my caravan and I wasn't going anywhere. So I had my, I created my own little space, but it was, yeah, a very strange time. Four years ago, it was for me. Yeah, so you mentioned like separating from yourself and how you felt that you needed to be someone or something for your family? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw um, my connection into being in a family was about, um, I don't know, it's a bit about being, being, um, being a family man for sure. And um, I'd been through a previous um, relationship and a child came 17 and a half years ago and that relationship ended and it sort of didn't end too badly it was that one was more fell out of love and we had to work out how to look after our child and we did that quite okay and you know divided up the time spent with him to look after him he was a three-year-old at the time and maintained that all this time and he came in to this new blended family as well with me and her two children and um there was just so much to learn about how to be in the family dynamics with a blended family for a start. And we were, me and my wife, she, we, we were sort of, um, we studied early on how to um, blend families through Relationships Australia, attended a course, acknowledging that this is a difficult journey, which we're choosing to do. And it was great. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, give and take and playing out roles, the breadwinner, you know, the homemaker, the mother, the father, the man, the woman, the lover, the, um, <laughs> I didn't know about lover, warrior, magician, sovereign at that time, but uh, I was in uh, warrior providing. Um, but I had awareness that that wasn't just my own role. So I also had you know, initially, you know, kept up friendships and play music and uh, play kirtan, yoga, music. And I had a community, but the community of people folded in around the efforts I was having to make to support my family, purely volitionally. But it sort of, it really took me away from... Um, I don't know, peace of mind after the first couple of years, after the honeymoon period. We all we got married as well. And that was that was good and it went on. And but as time went on, there was more child, more children got born, two more got born. The last one was a child that I thought um it was the first fourth fourth child by 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 the mother, and um she didn't want it and there'd been stop start with um pregnancies and this one came through and um in hindsight that extra demand of again having to go through nappies and fully supporting mother to support the child and the children was so much stress and i really wasn't up to the task so the um uh, the relationship failed the communication started getting bad and um yeah 
the truth of what was happening in relationship created separation for myself. And I think I hid from that because I had investment into moving forward, you know, it was growing together, this family and this beautiful house and it was okay to pay the mortgage and do all this. But eventually, um, yeah, it did separate me from myself as I, I reorientated what I was doing, which is this family at the age of 49. Well, this is great. This is it. This is what I want. I've created this and manifested what a great situation. And uh, I end up digging lots of holes in the garden and doing lots of stuff outside. And that thing of the woman was looking after the inside of the house. I was looking after the garden. So it fell into these, these roles. And um, the intimacy after about three years change, was starting to change. And not just sexual, but more just like fully connecting and being there and supporting each other. And we, we started letting each other down and um, had expectations. I had expectations of her that weren't met. So I, I was sort of losing my support and I didn't know how to provide for my own needs. Um, you know, quite, uh, mainly on that, on the emotional level. Yeah, I depended on her for emotional support. And when it wasn't there, it really made me sad and angry. After all, I was giving and I, I felt, yeah, I didn't actually realise my expectations set me up for, um, you know, my shadow coming up, which is like childhood stuff of like, I really need support here and you're not giving it, therefore you don't love me. That loop. And I didn't realise it was coming up from my childhood and there it was playing out again. And I... I, I I couldn't see it clearly at the time because it was I was very busy and it was stressful and I was working and I was providing services for others in my work and for the family. So I couldn't really see it strongly in myself that, you know, what happens to me when my needs aren't being met and I feel I can't meet my own needs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. You know, hard to catch. Seems simple, but it's hard to catch when you're in the middle of it, you know? Mm, absolutely. And I remember my own my own self going through, especially that long period of denial of still hanging on to this identity of the provider, the husband, the guy who'll make everything better, um, the, the, the man who found a way to, you know, uh, keep the relationship going all these expectations and all these roles and all this inside this unaware world in my own head was really just me going on autopilot and just continuing what didn't work, mm. I guess. And yes, like you said, I, I wasn't aware of childhood stuff and trauma and habits and why I'm doing things. Mm. And, yeah. um, and, and that I wasn't even thinking about letting go of my wants and needs because I, I wasn't aware of my wants and needs. I was yeah. aware, aware of them. <laughs> yeah. Same. I didn't know what I needed, but it, something wasn't fulfilling. And, um, it's very easy to have a glass of wine in the evening in celebration of the day's work is done and now relax. But there's still more to do when there's little children, isn't there? You know, like this 
it's like you cut coming home and the baby's handed like great hello and it's like there's no um clear time i found to myself until the very end of the day mm. maybe 9 30 10 and that's when i was I'm tired can't really be productive if i have to with my awareness anyway there's no productivity there it's a, it's a time to calm down so I was like, oh yeah, the, the lack of awareness of my own needs was part of the failure in that relationship that yeah. I can fully own now. Yeah, so what was the story that you told yourself during that time? When you're coming back home, it's late, you worked three jobs, there's a baby to do, there's the dinner, there's washing. At the end of the day, what is kind of like the story that kept you going? I think I um I was fully aware that I was feeling this is my choice to be here. I've chosen it. I've chosen to get married, which for me was a long-term commitment, like life commitment, pair bonding. And I'd chosen that and I was going to go through it, you know, the best I could in a loving way as much as I could. And the story was, well, I chose this. We'll get through it. And as children's cha children change and develop the demands and needs of the child from the parent, on the parent changes as well. So I was aware that in the story, I can endure. I can't remember if I was thinking we can all endure, but I remember feeling like I know how to endure. I've endured stuff in my life. Things always change. Nothing stays the same. Um, and I, um, the, the story about my needs being met or not only came up when I felt pain and angry at, at my needs not being met. I didn't think about, well, you know, what is it? And then I, then I realized that I was had a, anyway, the story was things will change, things will get better. Yeah. yeah. Nothing stays the same. Yeah. I think that's the same story. I remember the same. I remember kind of like going, oh, we didn't have sex for three months, but that's okay. That's just life. It's normal. Um, yeah, so very similar to, yeah, I'll endure that. Like that's, that's just life. So like acceptance of, of the status quo, of acceptance of, oh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to have some sex, but um, I'm also tired, so that's fine. And kind of like, yeah, just settling in to, oh, it's not exactly what I want to need, but it's, it's good enough. For the time being. For the time being, and yeah, maybe a thing will change in the future. Kids will grow. We'll get out of the house, we'll buy a house, we'll do this, we'll do that. So all these external things will happen to make my life better. Yeah, more fulfilling and, and better. Absolutely. Uh, um, I was just thinking as you were speaking also about with children, the ups and downs emotionally. It's all the time and, you know, it's good to be expressive of emotions. It's also good to calm down again, to calm down. We had lots of approaches for the children when they get upset to calm down, such as putting them outside, time out in the room. This behavior 
I don't accept the screaming or yelling or throwing things that kids do, tantrums and things. And they were going on and the kids were getting older and there were two girls that I hadn't lived with, two, you know, stepdaughters uh, until then. And um, yeah, I had to learn a lot about the feminine, but I didn't realise this at the time. That just came later after separation, learning about the feminine in me and in my partner and um, harm that I was doing and harm that was I was getting as well from within this relationship. Mm. So how did but you learn about feminine and masculine? So how did I, what, learn? So um, when and how did you learn about that feminine and masculine energies during the separation? Yeah. It became clearer for me when I realized that inside myself, I had feminine and masculine energy and that the feminine I'd suppressed and denied, like, and by that, I mean things like self-nurturing, self-care, self-nurturing, uh, self-love, and that affects the ability the ability for me to you know deeply nurture another deeply love another mm. this denial um i wasn't a big masculine dude anyway it wasn't like i didn't feel i was selling myself as a alpha male or the head of the family but i was in this role where i was the the man the main um the adult man of the family and um you know and I was being asked, asked regularly to be the, the, the mast in the storm when the, the feminine is in its fury, you know, whether it's the do her daughters or her, I was being asked to stand up and be the man and be the, be the mast on the ship in the stormy sea, which is all the emotion and the, the feminine changing and swirling, to be the mast. And after a while, I thought, fuck this for a joke. I can't do this. I can't co-regulate all the feminine around me when it's going off. Mm. You know what I mean? Like co-regulate because I'm inside feeling churned up and I, I um I, it, was, it was hard, like and there was expectation to be the mast in the storm for the woman. I couldn't do it at the time. Mm. So it was kind of yeah, being lost at sea. But after separation, when I had time with myself and through working um with myself in with the support of men in group settings and mankind project and i don't know um i did some men's behavioral change I attended a men's behavioral change group i wasn't happy with my behavior and i didn't understand it and um uh, it turned out that that my feminine had been affected by my mother and there's a whole story back there of my mother being you know masculine to get things done when I was a child and she had lots of children. And then I, uh, I realized that, yeah, I was sort of, um, harming the feminine in myself and in others. I sort of realized the reflecting on my behaviors, which was, you know, quite aggressive, strong language, loud voice, physical posturing as a way of defending myself. So kind of, I must have, I may have read some books about it as well, sort of, but I, I was sort of, it's only when I personalized it in myself that I realized that 
I was, um, yeah, damaging part of myself as I was disrespecting the woman in her feminine. Yeah, wow. That in her emotions in this swirly, mysterious place, mm. you know. And I, I probably went into fix, trying to fix as well, but it's more just like didn't understand, you know. Yeah, so you realise that and then what made you actually want to change? Because you needed to kind of like made a, make a decision to go, hey, I'm going to go to Mankind Project. I'm going to go to sit down in a men's circle. I'm going to go and to do the course about the behavioural change. So what was it that actually was the trigger of saying, no, I, I need to change? I needed to find out where I was responsible. All the cats coming need to find out where I was responsible in this relationship as you know part of the fallout was to um try and understand what happened in the relationship you know once I was outside of I could look back in when I was in it I couldn't really see that much because I was so busy and doing stuff to keep myself going support the family and myself and work which is also supporting others as a physio very difficult clients with chronic problems so it was only after I got out of the relationship, separated from the partner, from the partner at the time, and my wife, that I could look back in. So the impetus was to understand what my part in that relationship was in the failure of the relationship. It's not so much the failure of myself, more like what did I do that contributed to that relationship failing? So I want them to learn. It was very painful and affected all the children and financially. And there was a lot of shit that went down in the years that followed financially and selling the house and all lots, lots of stuff. Um, but yeah, the main thing was I wanted to um, understand my part in the failure of that relationship. So wh why was it important to understand your part? I wanted to... Um, eventually have another relationship, a loving relationship. Um, I wanted to understand how, how through my actions and behaviours, I could affect someone so badly, how I could really upset someone so badly, that's my wife and kids, but more her. And I, I didn't understand I had this power to affect others, for better or worse, <coughs> you know? So I wanted to know, maybe I was kind of claiming some personal power to that understanding. Mm, wow, that's that's such a such a good point to to actually say when I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, mm. when I can understand and take responsibility for my thoughts and emotions and actions and all of that, I'm in my power. That's a powerful thing. Yeah, I was seeking to reclaim some personal power, definitely. But yeah, it was through the understanding of those things. Mm. And I had to reorientate, I had to refine my friends, you see. I had to make new friends because some friends went with the separation. Some were friends of the relationship, you know, couples being friends with couples, that sort of thing. So I lost some friends and some friends sided with my wife it was a separation of friendships as well. I thought, fuck, this is no good. I thought this was my friend. And I realized the men that I was friends with, they were friends of, they're sort of like 
friends of their partner who was friends with my partner, who was a very sociable person, my ex-wife. And I fell into that was the social stuff that was going filtering through her and her friendships. And my friends I hadn't seen for years. So I, I, I reclaimed some old friendships and I made lots of new friendships with men in that first year of separation with men. And that was quite conscious. I was like, I'm so confused about the feminine in women and in myself. And I was like, fuck that. I can't, I can't actually, I'm not going to seek any new relationship with, with a woman. I'm going to focus on finding the support I need from men. Seriously, it's amazing insight. I, you know, I feel quite, I feel uh, uh, lucky that I did that. And yeah. I felt understood. I got understanding and I got listened to by other, by other human beings, by men. Real listening, real understanding, real presence. <laughs> Seriously. And um, well, I had much less to fight against in, with these men as I had with lots of stuff to fight in my, my wife, in, in myself, in my wife. So yeah, so it got, got me through the first year. Mm. Yeah, and um, I was definitely lacking in male, not, not companionship, but male, I think, support and, and direction. Um, because, yeah, I felt like in my relationship, it was more and more and more about her. Yeah. I was kind of like there for her. I was in charge of her happiness. I, ma I made myself. Yeah. Out of that. Because I was thinking that's what I need to do. That's my role. And through that, I lost connection with, yeah, the real masculine. Um, I, had, I had a few male friends but it was very shallow it was kind of like oh let's have a beer and yeah talk right about the past yeah talk about the past yeah reminiscing mm. um yeah being responsible for someone else's happiness is a big one because i found that when i made her when i made her when she felt unhappy she could say i am making her unhappy could be the tone of my voice could be the content of what I was talking about. It could be something I did or didn't do. So I was getting the message from her in that relationship that I was responsible for her unhappiness. So that flips it around. Am I, am I responsible for your happiness? Am I responsible for your unhappiness? Yeah, and I had to keep shielding, like going, no, I don't think that I am responsible. Sure, my tone raised. That's me expressing some anger and some frustration. Is that a problem for you when I do that? And I'd say it really directly like, do you know what I mean? In a kind of scary way. And you're not handle me being angry, you know? I can hardly handle, I need you to be able to listen and handle it. And, you know, um, you know, but it was met with, it was kind of a boundary that she set up where it didn't, it didn't work in that relationship. So I had to shut myself down and cater to the other need. Cause I don't want a woman who's scared, angry, 
blaming me for how she mm. feels. So how it was different? Area. How this played differently inside the context of a, of a male environment? <clears throat> well, in in friendships, personal friendships, people knew friends knew male friends the few that i had they kind of knew that they that i needed to be listened to mm. and sometimes it was a bit of siding on the men's side oh you know this thing about yep uh wow oh, like this oh women yeah you know how these women they're different from us can't expect to understand the woman, you know. Um, you know, um, can't uh, love them, can't leave them. I can't remember the expression, but I remember this collaborative thing. And then there's kind of like that can turn into a bit of um, blaming women for how men are. Mm. And I know women who've, who do this as well and sit in a circle and they, they blame the men and they, they had a big thing going on with uh, this, you know, you strengthen each other's belief. One person speaks, the other go, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. All men are cunts or all women are cunts or whatever. And then it becomes true for the group. And the other way in a circle, um, sacred circle, you have ritual. You can, I, I found that I could identify with other men what they were saying or other men could share that they're identified with what I was saying, whether they agree with it or not. And then challenge on a, on a belief system, you know, you know, is it true that women want to harm men? You know, for example, is it true that all men will harm women? I mean, what's going on? And they felt like there was some healing to be done in me about that. So I stayed away from women for a year and then I started a relationship, but the, the men in circle, I don't know, it's sort of the men I was meeting were getting trained in how to just sit in a non-judgmental space to create safety. So the men in the circle could speak without fear of being judged or interrupted. And the men I was with, we were learning how to do this for each other. Yeah. And still do that, it's still useful. Good. Yeah, yeah, and that's really a good point because I guess my friends, my male friends, my mates will just either try to fix or try to comfort, but they don't have the knowledge and the tools and the skills to hold space without judgment, like like we know from men's circles. That's right. And I've sat in other men's circles where there isn't so much an easy exchange of acceptance because there's um, things that happen around us that trigger internally and then we respond from our internal trigger and then you can lose, you can lose sight of what the man's saying or feeling. You can't be fully there and present. So in some other circles, it's less of a chance to speak. So you gotta, and be heard, you gotta have a talking stick that you pass around, say this object means it's my turn to speak. 
and um, which is a good idea. But how do how do you realize when another man is asking for help, even when he's not speaking it? He's pretty useful and in a a good circle mm. or good intimate friendship with the man, good loving intimate friendship. Yeah, intimate as in you know accepting that this person is this person, I am this person. There's similarities, but we and and loving care and concern. For another man was something I I um I started to discover and and then then um actually set in motion a, a group in the hills where we initiated young men into um manhood 13, 14 year olds by taking them up up the bush and doing some activities with them. And I formed reformed community around men's work, call it what you want. But it's about let's work with these young people to give them a chance to um feel connected and not competitive with other men. And that set up mentorship and, and leadership where these young men could uh, be supported by a wider group than just their fathers. Because I realised the father can't do all the work for a young man, for the son. So in our society, the, uh, you know, so we created some community uncles for these kids. And that was after doing Mankind Project initiation weekend work took me in that yeah. straight away put it into that direction yeah that's great and, and we did as a society we we lost the ceremony that yeah. came within bringing young men into adulthood so that's a really important um ceremony to to have yeah and you know that allowed me to work with other men as well yeah, you know, purely voluntarily. It was no, it wasn't a paid job. It wasn't something I, I made myself going to get a, a degree in to work with these these young men. But I thought, ah, oh, this is had the energy for it and created the time and space because I didn't have to be with the relationship that had ended. You know, I saw the kids sometimes and not other times. I had I had time and space to sort of keep keep onto it for a while and um. It was pretty weird because I was still struggling with the feminine stuff in me. And I was just, well, to be a man is, you know, to stand up as a man. <laughs> mm. you know, and to have male relationships and support the young men. So I was still very focused on uh, the masculine there. That mine had felt damaged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that ceremony and that, how, the importance of it, and especially in separation. Because it seems that for me, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a, a ceremony or a way or a path that I need to go through. And one of the major, I think, um, pain points that was there within that journey is how do I handle grief? That, that point of letting go to make room for something else. But I wanted to ask you, first of all, if you experienced grief and how you dealt with it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I know grief. Uh, I've experienced grief many times in my life. I tried to protect myself from feeling grief about the end of a relationship because I was 
I kept on having to defend myself, knowing that I'd failed in relationship, but not really knowing how to, um, I don't know, accept that. Knowing it was good not to blame another for my failures. And I think I kept on with that thinking, thinking, thinking. I didn't go deeply into the feeling of grief. It was pretty quickly on that I felt relieved and relief from the relationship ending because it was so difficult. So there was this period where I was like, oh, this is not so bad. And that all the things that have to be sorted out, to, you know, the tied bits that get untied to unravel the practicalities of moving on like that occupied me a lot and that kept me from my deeper grief. The, yeah. And then getting out there and, you know, just returning, re-emerging as myself at the time. So I felt relief. Fuck, that, that's over. Jesus. Okay. What does this mean? It's not too bad. It's okay. So I kept pretty positive. And, you know, it wasn't meant to continue this relationship. So the, the ways the ways things ended were it would have happened anyway at some point. It's just like, you know, where the chess pieces are on the board. It's like, well, there was a checkmate, and then it's like, well, we had to end. It was a very ungraceful ending. So it was more I had to keep defending myself. And you know, the sadness came when I realized that the, the dream was over. It was a dream, the relationship. You know, I set it up. I was the king of the castle, big white house looking over the bay, lovely wife and kids, fertility, more life coming in, garden, vegetables. I was like, we've made a family flag, you know, we had a flagpole, put it up there. It was the dream. So the grief came when it was like, oh, fuck. That was a dream. The dream's over now. What do I do? What's the new dream? How do I return? Wow. So grief was about the dream was over. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's so, um, yeah, it's really hitting me because, um, yeah, it's not just the ending of a relationship. It's the ending of, Hopes and dreams. Yeah, your own ones. Isn't it? It's like, you know, and what do you do with that? It's like some men will jump into a new relationship. Ah, put the hopes and dreams there, you know. Um, it's good to have dreams. Dreams are mysterious. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a feeling sense and... Uh, a dream for a good future. So if you don't, if you're not putting it into another relationship, where are you putting it? Your hopes and dreams now, what's, where are they held? Well, the grief of realizing one is over, it's kind of like a waiting to see what happens next, like a waiting I found. And in that waiting, it was, what do I do with this time? And I'm going to learn more about myself. I'm going to develop a better self-awareness of what it is to be a man. I 
pretty quickly I realized that men we're fucking great, you know, like I didn't realize it at the time, but it's like it's like it took a little while, but I realized and I hold this now that that men, we are great, we are great for so many reasons, human beings, our qualities, strengths and weaknesses, you know, like men are awesome. And then I was like, you know, do women feel that? Not the women I know, not the messages I've been getting all my life. There's something wrong with us, you know, men. We're dangerous, we're unsafe. And I realized the part of my work was working with trauma and I was experiencing my own trauma. It was like, oh, fuck it. Oh, I'm being unsafe to this person. What's happening in them? So then I was also exploring, well, safety is a matter of perception. You can create it for yourself, you know, you know it's, but it's, it's like, if you have a sense of safety, as in you don't have to defend anything in yourself or around you, it's like, can you be free to express yourself, you know, like, so I found ways of that, expressing myself freely and it changed my friendships with people and, um, you know, it's ongoing work, you know, community, working together with people, sharing a common goal, these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, and I found it definitely when I was letting go and grieving on the hopes and dreams, I remember writing a poem about it about my hopes and dreams, how I grieve on, on, on them and how I need to let them go and acknowledge that. And because I was also very aware of going into relationships and putting my hopes and, hopes and dreams out on another person, yeah, I was focusing on putting my hopes and dreams with me. They're my hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. So to take ownership of them and to... Yeah, and to keep them in my truth, to keep them with me. Good and I'm point. responsible for them. Say again? And I'm responsible for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And, you know, with partnership and, you know, returning back into relationship, um, I've found it's been important to check are your hopes and dreams aligned with mine? Or are you going to do anything to try and get in the way of my hopes and dreams? Mm. Can you accept these hopes and dreams or the way I live my life? Are you going to be accepting of this? Or does your past trauma interfere with you and your ability to relate to me? Which is very common, normal, for your past experiences accumulate and you, you, you churn them up into the relationship, you know? So I had, I had some screening questions <laughs> about how people were dealing with their trauma, were they aware that they had stress and trauma from past relationship? Screening questions for, for women, for potential partners? Yeah. And I never had lists, but I needed to ask these questions in order to find uh, a, a, a partner that could be accepting of me and all my weirdness and all my poorness and 
you know, 55 years on the planet and accumulation. But I'm working on this stuff. I'm working to free myself from the past bondages. And so what was on the list? You, you prepare the list to ask a que over questions, to ask potential partners that you were dating? Yeah. Well, initially, I didn't have the list. And I just found someone that was pretty cute and attractive and available. And she had the biggest trauma history, dissociative states in, within the six weeks I was with her and accusation and judgments and projections. I thought I can deal with this. I can deal with this. I can deal with this. And eventually he's like, I'm not going to deal with this. Sorry, babe. And she was so angry with me. And I was sweet and nice and loving, supportive. But I realized this is not for me. And then another relationship came. It was also a little bit with someone who was like my mother. And I had to work through some mother issues. <laughs> that was only a few years ago. And she was, you know, she was, she was like sexy. She was like a vamp, you know, like amazing. But lacking what I needed in um, someone to accept me. Yeah. And then, I, and then I eventually drew up a list. And the questions were like, I think there were 10 questions. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I interviewed this one. I'm with her now. She's my, my current partner. It's great. And she answered the questions. Oh, where are they? Um, have you experienced oh, kind of like a screening questions? I use them with my clients, maybe. Are you aware that, are you aware of any trauma you've had in your life? Are you aware of any effects it has on your, on you now, your thoughts, actions, behaviors? Are you aware of any of this that's lodging in your body? And are you doing anything to actively work with yourself on this, which is the awareness piece? And uh, yeah, it worked. It worked. You know, they, they were reasonable questions. I can't remember where I got them from, but I, I remember this. I was trying to um, go. Oh, it's okay to um, be in a relationship with someone if they've had trauma. It's like it's going to be okay as long as these questions are being considered. Yeah. So this is what is different you'll say now with your current relationship, it's that, um, I guess, awareness is the fact that you um, both are working on issues and communicating them. Yep, with each other, within ourselves, within our friends' supports, you know, like, um, yeah, it's, it's um, and, and we're aware of projections. We, we don't actually have conversations, it seems, about, you know, I feel you're projecting that upon me. It doesn't come up that much. And I look for it. I look for what's mine and what's yours. And, you know, previously I, um, I was trying, I think I was trying to defend myself from others' projections because eventually one would hit home and it'd be this soft, you know, earlier version of myself that would get hurt, you know, when I got attacked by, you know, someone, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, mate, mate, there's some things about our fathers. Like I remember different times of like, oh, I'm not like my father. My father's 
this, this and that. I'm not going to be like, I'm not like him, but part of me was like him that I couldn't accept. So if someone would say something to me, you just like your father, it would hurt me because I couldn't acknowledge it in myself. So um, yeah, working out what was, and in relationship, there's great potential for growth and there's also great potential to shut down. So which relationship did I want? If I look at it in a polarity like that, oh, continued growth to experience life in a joyful manner. Yeah, where I can express my needs. And so can you, you know, I would say. And to speak the truth. Can we speak the truth to each other? Mm. Mm. It's ongoing work. Yes, and you need to be aware back in relationship. Sorry, say again. So that's great to be able to be doing that back in relationship four years after separation. Yeah, two years after being divorced. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking okay. at you now and you're smiling and I can feel your sense of uh, joy and appreciation of this relationship. Yeah, it's kind of relief as well, come to think of it. Relieved to be able to enter into a relationship and speak truth and listen, and encourage her to speak her truth. You know, it's hard to have the hard conversations within a relationship, if, isn't it? Sometimes it can be hard. Um, yeah, it can be hard. And what I'm feeling is that it is a lot easier when there is a practice for it. And there's a space for it. So I'm now going through a very, a very young relationship, which is also what I call a growth relationship, where I'm um, encouraging myself all the time to bring things and put them on a table and communicate clearly and talk about my needs and wants and talk about the stuff that I sometimes don't want to talk about. And that's becoming easier and easier as I go yeah. along. And also I can see more and more of what I'm getting because I'm being honest and clear about my wants and needs. Yeah. Oh, suddenly I'm getting my wants and needs. Amazing. <laughs> Feels so good. <laughs> I know. Because how can, how can we expect someone else to meet our wants and needs if we can't communicate them or share them? cleanly and if you get a no it's it it, it 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 needs to be okay if you get a no i can't meet that need it needs to be okay for me like otherwise i wouldn't ask the question can you you know can i borrow your car no okay end of story yes great thank you you know so the other person has the choice not me I have the choice to ask the question or say, I have this need. I have the choice whether to speak it. But the other, if it's asking a person to meet a need, my need, then I, uh, I need to give them that choice to meet it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so I've, I'm, I'm pretty much onto that, you know, but finding a partner who's loving, <sighs> accepting, um, it's kind of, you know, looking at the stuff that wasn't in that previous big relationship 
and that and getting it and the things that weren't in the other previous big relationship and the other ones in my life it's like they piggyback oh let's find someone who can meet the need or the other place of going well what are my needs and then it's like can i meet them myself you know and that's, and, that's you know, a great that's a great point because as you were talking yeah. i was thinking about myself in the past relationship and i'm going is it that the relationship didn't give me or I didn't ask for? Because I wasn't aware of what I really needed and wanted and I couldn't communicate it clearly and honestly. So I, I'm, I'm questioning, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a relationship didn't give it to me, is I wasn't aware, I, I didn't ask for it and I was happy to go on life without it? They're good questions, Tamir. Um, they're very good because, you know, again, that's coming back to, you know, where is your responsibility for yourself and the relationships you form lie? Or where are you responsible for relationships that you do have or don't have? You know, like, you know, the ones, people from your past that you've had friendships with that the alignment's no longer there. It's like an old relationship. Do you keep putting energy back into it? Do you have to be how you were back then if you've changed and grown through your life and matured, as we hope we do? And, uh, and then, you know, like a past relationship, intimate partnership relationship, sometimes the needs are there, they're being met. And it might be even... I need a relationship where I don't have to express my truth or whatever, or strongly sexual where that's it, you know, and then moves to another relationship, you know, and then another sort of relationship. There's different relationships I've found different times in my life, you know, um, and that's probably ongoing. So I don't know how, how long does a relationship last for? <laughs> Who decides that? What do we unconsciously bring to end it? You know, someone said in this culture in Australia, that's quite, someone from Europe said, a couple of people said this to me, uh, from Europe and India, like this thing of like, when we end a relationship in this culture in Australia, we create a big disturbance so it can end unconsciously, a big fight. And it's hard to remain friends after that, till you separate and don't like each other. And that's been my experience unfortunately and um you know i've also i'm also aware that people can end relationships in a decent considered way and be friends still if they choose to mm. yeah. and i guess it's while you're speaking i'm thinking about it i'm going like with a lot of other things it's about my perception it's about the perspective and if i can change that if i can do 180 the whole world changes so I can think about my relationship as, oh, she dumped me, she didn't want me anymore, all that sort of stuff. That's the story I choose to tell myself. Or I can look at my past relationship and say, actually, whatever the, the, the relationship was such that we're both very happy to sit on the couch and watch Netflix for the rest of our lives. So we didn't grow. And what doesn't grow dies. So, of course it died. Because we both didn't grow. 
and that's okay. So yeah, so the way I choose to look at it is the is the way it happened. <laughs> Beautiful, and you know the personal growth that you can experience in a relationship outside a relationship are equally valid. You know, um, and 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 you know. I remember being in a situation where I was being asked to change something in myself and I'm going, no, no, I'm quite okay with it. You're not okay with it. You're asking me to change for you. Okay. It's really hard when I'm not there myself wanting to change something in myself for myself. So therefore I'm going to ask you to change how you're responding to me. <laughs> right. Stuff like this would happen. And it's like the ego of who's right and who's wrong and blaming or, you know, I found it much easier not to be in that relationship because I could then figure it out for myself and seek counsel and connection with others on, 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 on um, particular issues to do with men and women or masculine and feminine or forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. yeah? So are you saying, if, if you're looking at your new relationship, is this a relationship that gives you the space to grow? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not a place where it's tangled and thorny and there's no way to sort of move or, or change. You know, am I different to how I was? 10 months ago when I started this relationship? Is it, am I different now? Yeah, I'm a bit different, you know? Um, do I know a bit more about what I want? I'm not sure. Do I know this person much better? Yeah. Do I still choose to be in the relationship now that I know this person much better? Yeah. Do I know myself in relation to this person much better? Yeah. Do you have any hopes and dreams or expectations from that person? on that person yeah to speak her truth to do things that she knows are most important for herself irrespective of me and for her to follow yeah and for her to follow her dreams whether they include me or not and i might be deceiving myself but that's how i like it's kind of a mission to keep that that there um Wow. Is that astounding to hear? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed because that's so different yeah. than the hopes and dreams and expectations you had on the past relationship. Yeah, yeah. The house and the flag and the all the... the blended family. It's very different, yeah. Um, you know, like having had all the... I've got four children. Having had four children, it's like... Um, sorry, three four jesus christ three three boys and having had two step daughters i'm now in a relationship with someone who doesn't have children so it's like uh, and she's a little bit younger than me it's like it's up to her whether she stays in a relationship with me where there's going to be no children born into it or whether she decides that the desire is so strong she needs to find um, 
a partner who can provide her with her own so she can birth children. So that's like something that we, we start to talk, we talk, we talk about, but it just, it's with her. I'm here, you know, and I, it's not my, my, um, it's almost like a burden to want something, but you don't know what it would be like. So having children's like that, you know, and such a unique experience, hey, based on who you are and who this child is and, you know, what time of the, your life the child comes along. So, yeah, so for her, there's this place of like, but when if she, when if she goes, I haven't had children yet, I go, what the fuck? What's she saying to me? Is she trying to tell me something? You haven't had children yet? You know, you can't have children with me. And I get a bit scared. Mm. And then I'll come back and say, look, when you said that, when I calm down and I go, when you said that, that's, um, causes me pain and then that's it and then I wait for her to come back it's a delicate part in a relationship where it's quite hard to accept maybe it is for her too do you know what I mean yeah yeah so it's also I'm hearing that you're bringing a lot of vulnerability into this new relationship yeah that's it's that's a vulnerable place isn't it yeah you say there yeah you, you caused me pain well, I, I feel pain when you say that. That's what I said, I think. I hope I didn't say cause, but I... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I feel pain when you say that. And she's got a choice whether to keep speaking it and causing me pain, which is okay. My pain, her need, or whether she goes, oh, maybe I can rephrase that, da-da-da-da-da, and help me deal with my... Or just give me a chance to... Not stay in the pain. Yeah, and thank you for uh, being accurate. Yeah. Thank you for being accurate and catching yeah. me because you caused me pain is a victim state. Yeah. Blame you. You caused me. No, but you're right. It's it's you feel that. It's just a feeling. What I feel. Yeah. And this is why I feel it. So if I know what I feel and can explain why, it's a great conversation because mm. I'm in charge at least. Yeah, I feel this. This is why. And I'm communicating with you because I want to share this um, thing that feels real and truthful to me. And I, I and now what? I don't know. So it's like, yeah, so to feel something, be able to explain this is, I feel this and this is why. I find in communication that's, that's, for me, the easiest way, which is less vulnerable, so I can explain it. Yeah, and also not looking for a solution or an outcome. Yeah. Just sharing. Yeah. And just putting it on the, on the table or going, this creates choice rather than no choice, you see? So I quite like being given choices and I take, yeah, being given choices. Mm. Rather than fight for choices, and I quite like offering that to another. And offering that to another, the choice, when you're being very true and aware of yourself. Yes. And able to communicate that. That's, That's how you can give them the choice. Yeah. 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 I, I never used to understand that thing of a woman asking a man to be vulnerable. So I'm going, hang on, 
am I doing it for you or me? Because I'm scared shitless to feel vulnerable, which means something like I don't fully trust you. I don't feel safe with you or I don't feel safe in myself to share something I might feel ashamed about in myself, you know, and be vulnerable or not understand in myself. So I remember going through lots of like, oh, a woman likes the man to feel vulnerable. Why is that? They might harm me in a vulnerable state. This is the mindset I had for years. Mm. Now it's like sometimes feeling vulnerable. It is okay. It's a sensitive place. Yeah, it's uh, I. In my current relationship, I feel it's a safe space. There's a safe container of the relationship for me to be vulnerable. So it also means, for example, that and vulnerable can be a lot of things. It can be me talking about my emotions. It can be me talking even about, hey, maybe there's a sexual kink I find hard to admit. But in this safe container of the relationship, I'm finding that I, I am safe from judgment and I can be vulnerable and, and communicate that. Yeah, a need to explore something new in yourself. That's a vulnerable thing to disclose to another. A need mm. to explore something new in myself and I'm asking you to be part of it, you know, which is, you know, listening to what I'm sharing, the emotional or, or, or a sexual thing, whatever. And for me, that also, it gets back to, the person says, no, it's okay. I'm going to create an opportunity where you can say, no, you don't want to do this thing with me. Or no, you can't listen right now. No, even though you can see how I feel, I might be distressed or upset about something. You're just not available. Okay. I'm not going to hold it against you. In previous relationships, I did. I didn't know what to do. You know, and um, I'm glad to say that. It makes for a better, peaceful, harmonious relationship, which is what I'm after with myself and with others. And that's a congruence. Do I show up in relationship now, which is um, true to me? Is this is how am I how I show up in this relationship? Is this how I want to be, or am I doing things in this relationship that aren't how I want to be? And for these things that don't fit with how I want to be, let's have a look at that. You see, so if I went into raising my voice or expressing big physical anger towards this woman. That's not how I want to be. It's just not happening. This is great. Because I've done that in the past and that killed the relationship. That was my part in killing relationships, just blowing my stack, being short fused, being frustrated, not having my needs met, not being able to articulate what my needs were, all that. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh, and then it's facing, can you face being single for a long time or just by yourself? That's the other thing. Can you, can, can you, is that worth considering? And it probably is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it reminds me of this um, line, can you handle the truth? Can I handle the truth of, of myself? So can I handle being with myself for a long period of time? Can I handle speaking my truth in a relationship, even though I know that the answer might be no or negative or judgmental? Well, I assume yeah. it's not going to be judgmental, but if, even if it is, I can work with it. That's right. 
That's right. It's good. That's a good point. And it's okay sitting. I find it's okay sitting with some um, incongruencies in myself or inconsistencies or contradictions. But I want to be aware of it rather than have someone else tell me first. Mm. I need to find that in myself. And um, can I accept there's contradictions within myself? Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's a weekend of sitting by myself and just letting it simmer, that feeling or what was going on there with me. Like, why did I do this? Why did I felt that? What came up? And sometimes after a weekend, I'm coming up with, oh, that was it. I needed that time to yeah. be with myself and sit in my truth for a little bit without judgment or, or rushing into any action yeah. to come up with the real me, I guess, the real truth in this. Yeah, that, a greater understanding, isn't it, through self-reflection and self-reflection without harsh self-judgment, even with self-love, eh? You can do that, you know. That's right, which is so hard sometimes when I'm in this place of like what you described in the beginning, the unaware, the my identity is the provider in this, I don't have time to myself, that's the opposite of, oh, I'm going to take a weekend to think about this simmer on this feeling. It is, yeah, the opposite. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like, you know, how much can we put up with, you know, how much can you endure of spending time with yourself? How much can you endure and put up with spending time with this person and all their demands they might have upon and then knowing where my window of tolerance is. Do you know that term, window of tolerance? Mm. Yeah, I can tolerate this. This is okay. It's difficult, fine. but okay. Or, you know, and that expand, it can expand over time and it allows more into a relationship. You know? Yeah. yeah. And there's also my, what I've learned is that it's not, like a why it's not like oh i'm by myself i'm alone i'm lonely and on the other side i'm in a uh, monogamous committed exclusive 24-hour relationship with someone else there's so much more that i can explore and i can allow and hey if i need company i have all these like all these options to have company of other men other women friends lovers sexual um, yeah. overseas on Zoom, whatever it is yeah. that yeah. I need right now or I want right now to, to play with. So that's like sounds like they're, they're choices, aren't they? Because I, I love having choices. If I've got no options, if I feel the perception of I'm fucking completely stuck, I've got no options, I don't know what to do, I need to find a way to have some choice, you know, so, yeah. Well, some people like it's having too many choices and no good, it's confusing. Actually, I like to have lots of choices and I like to make them, mm. you know. And I can be persuaded down a certain path. I can be open to suggestion as well. I think there's a safety that's developed in me over the last few years where 
I can listen to someone else's point of view as well as just sharing mine and know oh and, and then and then which bits are good for me if they get, if I'm getting advice I can choose what not all of their advice maybe but I can go I better stay receptive because there might be some gold coming in towards me from someone else that I might need to know that they might see in me unconsciously unconsciously without the investment of a committed big relationship sometimes it's too tangled so having other um confidants friends deeply loving relationships and building those um I found those have really informed this current place in relationship now where I don't have to um, now expect all my needs to be met within a relationship. You know, just there's a number of people supporting, not the relationship, but we support each other as we can. Um, and we choose to. And the investment is that in friendship also with partner, friendship, yeah, for me, it's very important. It's, but it's not, and so I've been able to say, I don't expect you, you to meet all my needs. And I'm okay with that. And this is why I have this friend and this friend. And she might say, but this friend makes me feel jealous. Because when you spend time with her, I worry. I go, well, yes, but it means that I don't have to load you up with all my needs and expectations. I actually need this. Can you accept it that I, you know, we'll talk like that sometimes. Yeah, so that takes some of the pressure off. Mm. You know, this needs and expectation journey. Fuck. It's a trip. Amazing. Isn't it? It must be quite, maybe it's quite common, this, this that journey of needs and expectations and discovering yeah, yeah. So I recently learned about um, Esther Perel and what she's talking about. And she's talking about exactly that. that it, it, this time in society, we expect one person to be everything, to be the confidant, the lover, the, the intellectual, the business mentor, the everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lot to put on one person. Yeah, to be your mother, to be like your mother, for better or worse, to be like your father, the better or worse parts, to help you play out your stuff from your childhood that you're still processing now. These things as well, the psychotherapeutic aspect of a relationship is immense. Don't you think? Our reactivity, this seems familiar. Oh my God, this has happened before. Wow, what, there's work. Oh, fuck, there's work to do on it. You know, that sort of thinking, you know. You know I've done a lot of reading too. Um, great book uh, on nonviolent communications, really good one about reducing conflict or dealing with conflict as it arises, nonviolent communication. And um, Wired for Love is another beautiful one that talks about things like the couple bubble. Mm. Yeah, we help each other in the, world. in the comments in the uh, description wired for love okay i think you know where is it did you give me that book at some point i may have 
No, I think it's with my partner, Wired for Love. And, and a previous partner gave it to me as well. So it's a sort of one that, that does break down like the how-to to have decent relationship. Decent. No. It's like a, a roadmap sort of book with some ideas and you don't have to agree with all of it, but, um, you know, it allows people to... Uh, it informs stuff of how to be together, you know, like how to um, be in relationship and trust each other. Mm. Wired for love. I'm going to check Good it one. out. Thank you. Check it out. And you uh, do that too. You check uh, out these different books. There's many ideas on how to relate to yourself and others. And, you know, the better we, I relate to myself, the better I can relate to others, it seems. Mm, absolutely. Mathematics. Look, I think we can talk for hours more about this. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm feeling so uh, inspired and grateful for what you shared, that vulnerability and um, both the, the the shadows and the insecurities and the gold. So yeah, so thank you so much. It gets better, it can get better, right? As we go through life, I fully feel things on a personal level get better. The stuff that come in that's really comes in really hard. Uh, it's just undealt with stuff of my past or something I'm ready to start to embrace now. If it's a difficulty and in relationship, I think that's true. But I think that definitely things get better with the awareness of how to take responsibility for my own actions, right? Giving out lots of hate and stuff gets it back. Giving out lots of love gets it, it comes back if it's genuine and real and truthful. So to do that in a relationship is beautiful. And, um, and sweet. <laughs> And in separation, you get it's part of learning through these. It's very difficult often, sometimes lonely, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, sitting with stuff, taking action with stuff is a whole lot of stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was absolutely beautiful what you said that um yeah, when I focus on the hurt and the pain and the blame and the hate, that's what I get. Yeah. And if yeah. I focus on the on the love and my future and the love to myself, first of all, yeah. Yeah. and my future and my goals and my dreams and my hopes for me, then that's what I'm gonna get. And that's a, that's self-empowerment right there. Power is a good thing to have, right? Mm, amazing. And to understand that privilege, but it's not negative because it's a privilege. Self power, personal power is great. It's how you use it. <laughs> you can choose how you use it. Empowerment, key. Yeah. And separation is, is a part of it on that journey. Separation is disempowering, loss of something, isn't it? The loss. Mm. Reclaiming. Yeah, yeah, reclaiming power and thinking about 
it, like like you mentioned, you mentioned some games. Um, to not yeah. have a relationship anymore was a game. A what? A game? A game, yeah. Gain, gain, yes. Gained yes. not having a negative relationship. Yeah, and part of me was probably going, oh, I, I knew I'm not ready for a relationship. I can't be with someone that's like, this is too much. I've got to learn more about myself. I fucked up. I need male friends back in my life, better friends than ever before, which is what happened. But the other part is I'm shit scared of having a relationship or no one's going to want to have a relationship with me now. I fucked up. Everyone knows I fucked up. I've failed. No, who's going to have a relationship with me? Part of it was that as well. Yeah. Sparing myself of having to journey that and waiting a year. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah. It's awesome to chat. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have another chat soon. And continue uh, this extremely uh, valuable, amazing discussion. Thank you for thanks for being here this this morning. Yes, thank you, mate. <laughs> okay, bro. Talk soon. As a divorce coach, I guide men through separation. The work involves overcoming the emotional roller coaster, stopping victimhood, and re-engaging the masculine identity. If you'd like to know more, go to divorcecowboy.com.au or look for me, Tamir Berkman, on Facebook or LinkedIn.